So that's what's wrong with the world right there. An innocent person is driving along, minding their own business, and some fucking asshole comes out and smashes into them. You can't control everything that happens. But you can get pissed off. And then what? Lose control? Who said anything about that? You direct your anger where it belongs. You have panic attacks. Panic occurs when feelings of anger, revenge, whatever, overwhelm you. That's where behavioral therapy comes in. It can teach you to control those triggers. And how do you get people to do what you want? Great question, Tony. Welcome to Cut to Black, a Soprano sit-down. Even though I don't quite get why he asked that question, this is a Soprano sit-down. I am Jim Scampoli. I'm Jacob Burrows, and we're here to discuss Season 3, Episode 4, Employee of the Month of The Sopranos. Yes, it is indeed that episode. As Jim let me know when I texted him, what the fuck? Uh, (laughs) Watching this one, let's have a fun, good old time discussing this episode, everyone. Another regular episode of The Sopranos. That is just uh, nothing out of the ordinary here. Yes, this is the fourth episode of season three. It was written by Robin Green and Mitchell Burgess and directed by John Patterson. All Sopranos mainstays, names you've heard before, names you will hear again. And this is, yes, this is a notorious, infamous episode of The Sopranos. But actually, real quick before we get into that, uh, we did get an email from Spencer. Uh, you can actually email us as well. It shows what you know, show at gmail.com if you have any thoughts on past or future episodes of The Sopranos. Uh, hey, dudes, great episode, Unfortunate Son. I don't have much to add here. AJ and Jackie Jr., comedy gold. Sure, they aren't the greatest actors on the show, but I never think about that when I'm watching. As Jim said, The Sopranos figures out the best way to use each cast member, so in my mind, these are great performance, quote, quote, great performances. Even the actors, even though the actors got lucky by being in the right place at the right time. I usually gloss over the stuff with AJ getting lucky in football, so I appreciate that you guys went in depth on that. Just the thing about parents easily molding their kids, how it ties together with Tony, AJ, Christopher, and Jackie Jr. Who knows where they would have been, uh, where they would be given different circumstances. The father and son's theme is clear in the episode, but you guys got me thinking about it in a lot of new ways. Janice stealing Svetlana's leg. I always forget that it's in this episode. I can think of more episodes later on in the season that would get ultra confusing in any other show because there's so much to keep track of. Then he has some info on Better Call Saul spoilers, which I haven't watched the newest episode yet, so I won't get into. <laughs> and mm. we're talking with Sopranos. <laughs> yes, that as well. You should you should watch it. It's good. Uh, we will have some episodes coming out on that. If you're interested in Better Call Saul, please do check out our podcast, It's All Good, Man. We're not quite going episode to episode on it like we are with The Sopranos because there's just so much to unpack in The Sopranos, guys. Jim, if you don't mind, I'll say I think we should start out at the beginning here and go through it. What do you say? Yeah, okay, so rather getting right into the big moment, kind of go through the episode and just come yeah. get to it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So the, I had some thoughts even before, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to I give you my mindset before and after and so on, so. Yeah, that makes sense. So, the, so yeah. So the episode starts right. out with, uh, you know, Tony's lover calling, yeah. calling him up, an old drunk dial uh, on the telephone there, and it's... It's, uh, you know, supposedly about this missing leg, but it, hey, why don't you just come over as well while we're on the topic, you know? Yeah, I mean, Tony, have- I miss you. And what does he say? I could smell the stoli or the vodka from here. I mean, what a great call. Because I don't know if yeah. I would have necessarily known immediately that she's wasted. I mean, yeah, she's clinging and calling him at his house, which he, which is a big no-no, obviously. 
Uh, but Tony basically nails it because the the shot of booze is like right in, right there when we see her on the phone. Yeah, and we've all had that phone call. You know, <laughs> some some old flame is calling up about their friend's missing leg. We've we've all been there. It's just a veiled excuse, really. Uh, but Tony will have no, none of it. Just tells her to fuck off, uh, not call back. Um, then we move on to the kitchen at Melfi's place or both of their place. No, it's Melfi's place. Basically, I mean, we learn here that there's like a quick line offhand. Like I brought, I I took you back, so they're basically back together now. Yep. Uh, Melfi and her uh, previously ex-husband Richard, um, and it's it's classic Melfi time. Like it's classic Melfi time going back to season one before Melfi was a paranoid alcoholic in season two. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a nice extension of what we saw in season one where, you know, discussing the Italian-American plight and dealing with how the portrayals in the media of the Italian-American and, of course, discussing her patient. Because anytime we see Richard around, you know they're going to be discussing patient X, who we know he knows now is Tony Soprano. Exactly. And honestly, I, I feel like I've never like I know it's the show is about Tony, you know, so we care about Tony. But every scene I've never seen a scene open with this character, Richard, that doesn't open with them already talking about Tony. It's not like it comes up in some way. It's like, no, no, this is what we're always talking about. Cut away, cut back. We're still talking about it. It's a week later. Don't matter. Um, so yes, it's, it's all about Tony, of course. And she spills the beans that he had a breakthrough last week and he's, and he's like, Oh, it's what through somebody's jaw. And, um, you know, it's, it's a big back and forth of him not liking the stereotypical. I mean, it is a bit in a bit of a joke there when there's like the very idea that ABC would produce that stereotypical Goomba fest. Yeah. And, I mean, it's a bit self-referential, but, uh, there you go. Yeah. They met, I actually, what was it? The show was just mobster or something like that or gangster I forget offhand, but it's funny because they're also taking a shot at what what assumingly is a show that's trying to cash in on the Sopranos as well, because, you know, this is Sopranos season three and this is kind of getting peak Sopranos. So if ABC has some lame knockoff show, it's just a nice way to also twist the knife in this forgotten show that, you know, would never even be talked about if it wasn't ha- uh, just mentioned here in this episode. I didn't realize that was supposed to be a real show. Is it a? Real I'm pretty show sure what they're talking about is a real show because around the time, mm-hmm. people it was like, oh, let's get our mob show, let's get our version of the Sopranos out. You know, much like you know we see these like Breaking Bad shows that pop up. Uh, yeah. It was a very similar thing. Yes. So the the whole conversation is about how he thinks that she should drop Tony, which is something she's sort of considered not really necessarily now because he's dangerous because, you know, she's dangerous herself with her alcoholism and everything. She's got all that. Uh, But rather, uh, as far as you're not doing much for him and he does say maybe or maybe it's her therapist later but someone says that you know that psychotherapy is limited as far as treating anxiety which i believe we've touched on here in the show before where that's more you know freudian isn't necessarily going to give you results (laughs) (laughs) but it is great for a show premise because you can just keep talking just like us yeah yeah and it's it it is nice because it's um i never noticed this originally watching the show because i mean i paid attention to the therapy scenes obviously but uh not some of the specifics and you you brought up very early uh in our discussion about you know where talk therapy could go with this type of character and what they're dealing with and it's interesting that 
uh, they're kind of going with it as well um, yeah. and using it, uh, you know, as a dramatic, uh, dramatic device in a way. Yeah. And so the next scene is the actual therapy where, um, where it, again, Melfi's not really impressed after this breakthrough. He's just sort of showing up and he just wants to talk about whatever. Like it's more him venting than actually making any progress. That's sort of the end of the scene where he just starts yamming on about his issues like he's on some sort of podcast. Yeah. Well, and plus it's like another, like personally for Melfi, uh, it's, you know, he's proving Richard right. So it's this like it's a kind of an ego thing as well, because she's yeah. sitting here saying, oh, you know, he's no, he's doing great. He's making great progress. Like we're doing good work here. And then he shows up and didn't bring his homework. Basically, you know, he, he's supposed to be making notes about his behavior and his thoughts and feelings so they can unpack it even more. And, you know, Tony's not going to do that. <laughs> or is he? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So then we crossfade out of that scene. A couple of crossfades in this episode, actually, which is interesting. Uh, we fade over to another therapy scene uh, where uh, she's talking to her own therapist and says, just like us, the viewer, she's been charmed by a sociopath. And she's saying that Richard's right and oh, this is never going to work out. And I, I got real confidence for her therapist because... Uh, he doesn't look like he's swigging down vodka in between sessions. He looks he, and he gives generally good advice there and just lets her talk and figure things out. He doesn't get too phased by anything. Uh, but the big thing she does is spill the beans on who patient X is. Yes, yes. And quite a, um, I mean, uh, what's great about Melfi's therapy is it's like, it's a little silly in a way. And yes, I feel like Elliot's good at what he does, but also... It's like if you're treating a therapist, you just let the therapist talk it all out because they're going to just start like she just starts self-diagnosing herself, basically. Yeah. And going through all the things. And he just lets that happen. And of course, I don't they don't really dive into it. But then, you know, is she just saying his name on purpose? Uh, Like it's clearly, you know, I mean, maybe it even ties in with where we go, where like. You really want to say something, but you don't let yourself. But here, like she's been wanting to probably say it was Tony Soprano for so long because yep. it's it's almost like a weird braggadocious way. Because what we know about Tony, he's on the news and stuff. He's a known guy, unless yep. you're some yuppie uh, do-gooder uh, who doesn't understand, who doesn't know who Tony Soprano is until you read about it in the paper later on. Then you recant on your uh, being an eyewitness to a potential murder. But ah, that's all season two stuff. Who cares about that? Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so, and, and like you said, he actually says, I like that, like, he doesn't have to do much therapisting, but when she's like, oh, the Tony Sopranos, he's like, yeah. I think she might say, like, why did I say that? And he's like, yeah, why did you say that? Because oh, yeah. it's not like, oh, my God, it's Tony Sopranos. It's like, you chose to do that, like, whether consciously or subconsciously. And, yeah, it is, like, probably something it's a bit claustrophobic as well. I mean, she has been through a lot, and even if she's been able to vent about it as well, this is legally speaking a safe space because he can't tell anyone what she tell, told him because uh, he's her therapist. So in the same way that Tony can say shit uh, to her, he, she can do the same thing here. It's kind of a safe space. So then more leg action, uh, whereas uh, Janice is actually going around with a metal detector <laughs> trying yeah. to find the hidden Nazi gold. Um, by Nazi, I mean, you know, their mother. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, Tony shows up to say, give that leg back. Yeah, because and it's more so because 
you know, he's getting calls by his ex fucking, uh, you know, tryst that he had. Like, yeah. it's it's more a personal thing for him than he, like, really gives a shit. And it's like, you know, he just he doesn't want to, have to deal with it. He, You know, I, well, why do I have to deal with this shit? Just give the leg back. He doesn't care about the records. He doesn't care about the money in the uh, basement. Although maybe does he? Do you think Janice is kind of right? That uh, maybe after a little, maybe not immediately, but if Janice left and that house was sitting there, maybe like, hey, maybe I'll send a couple guys over there, start drilling through the basement. Maybe we'll find some cash. Maybe I'll find some buried bodies. <laughs> Jesus, uh, it could be all sorts of things down there. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. But it, it is, of course, important to Janice because she's doing a documentary about this music. As we know, she does videos because of her mother. Oh, yes. Um, so, so we have that to not look forward to because the records are not returned in this episode uh but anyway yes uh tony says like good luck finding the gold or whatever and he does a jerk off motion and i'm like (laughs) i don't tony what are you what are you saying i don't get it (laughs) yeah i don't know he's just saying yeah go ahead keep jerking off (laughs) it's healthy get a real job um so then we got jackie jr and his uh new step dad basically taking him out to dinner and uh they're they're having a nice conversation there yes ralphie and jackie um and i mean as we know ralphie's dating um uh who's a what's a preel's ah his mom i forget her name uh uh, rosalie rosalie april uh so it's it's interesting because i guess he's just trying to you know you're dating a woman who has an older son you try to bond a little bit even though his, his dad died and recently is uncle could be a uh, rat but uh, spoiler alert he's dead um so i guess he's just trying to bond with him a little bit but he kind of makes the smart choice of realizing like the real way to bond with him is just take him on a collection and you know let's let's get some violence here like it's i i think it's actually really smart because obviously tony's all about the way of like we need to protect this kid i promised his father and i get that but you know jackie jr he's not built to be a doctor He's a he's a gangster. Yeah, I don't know if he's a gangster. He's he's probably right that he's not supposed to be a doctor either. But I don't know about a gangster. Then yeah. again, we remember Chris uh, in season one. So who's to say? Who's to say he's a made man now? Yeah. Um, but yeah, he takes him out to beat up a guy because it's like th- this guy says, "Oh, what? We told you it would be late," and it's like. What? Yeah, <laughs> that's that never yeah. like. It, why is he so surprised? He's like, "Why are you doing this?" When he's getting beat up, it is interesting though that it is a pretty fair fight. He also probably brought Jackie because uh, he might have lost that fight if he didn't yeah. have Jackie there. Well, I, it's it's weird because yeah, it sounds crazy that he's like, "You knew it'd be late," but you also get the sense that Ralphie is overreacting to impress Jackie for some reason, like. Yeah, maybe there there clearly is some other way to go about this, but because he does, he keeps looking at Jackie, um, yeah. and then I mean, I guess they're, backing up a little bit when, when they're having dinner, there's also this discussion that Jackie Junior just needs to get laid, kind of, uh, right. because he's asking if there's a girl. He mentions Edo. He's staring uh, Meadow. Edo. Uh, he mentions Meadow. He's staring at Adriana, and I mean, Jackie Junior's a good looking kid. You're telling me that Jackie Junior's not getting laid? Come on. Yeah, well, he's too busy thinking about the Edo period of Japan. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yes, so they beat, beats him up, has a nice time. Next scene, 
Tony's actually showing up at a big house, which reminds me of the house that, you know, uh, they were getting in the previous season, Janice and her boo, because it was like a ridiculous big house, and this is another one. And, of course, I'm like, who's this guy? What's going on? And then, like, through context, and the writers helpfully put in for the people like me, who's like, oh, yes, he's from the New York crew, of course, but he's moving to Jersey. Mm." And, you know, Tony's pretty blatant about the fact that uh, you should have told him because uh, it's our fucking territory. Like, we're friends and all, but what the fuck? Yeah. Because um, it is a bit worrying. And, and this, also, of course, ties into later. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it. But, um, you know, Ralphie and him maybe making connections. It's like, it's never good when another mob boss is in your territory. Yes. Well, yeah. And I like that. Um, I mean, we've seen Jackie. Uh, we've seen Johnny Sack before. But, yeah, I get, like, where you're coming from. And this is the first time you watch the show. It's not like we've seen him a ton so yeah. it is kind of like, wait, what's going on? Um, and but I like how it's such a it's such a smart little story nugget because seemingly it's nothing. It's just a guy moved. You know, it's not outrageous if someone works in New York that they live in the burbs of Jersey or whatever. It's the the whole running gag, like riding over the the bridge and tunnel crowd or whatever. But it's such a, like so Tony is almost being ridiculous, but then. We know that he he absolutely isn't being ridiculous either. Like, what does this mean? What does this say? Plus, I mean, we get into it later where they start talking about, you know, what is the cost of this place and the property taxes and whatnot. Um, And it's funny to see Tony kind of push it where it's that passive aggressive, like, smiling. Like, oh, he didn't even say, like, we had dinner and you didn't even mention you're moving here. And then it turns into, like, you should have fucking told me. (laughs) Like, why didn't you tell me? Uh, Tony's Tony does that a few times when he's just like all, all smiles, even yeah. when he's like clearly not happy, and it's more intimidating than when he's not smiling almost. Yeah, um, and I'll say as well, he like throughout this episode, Tony does a lot of smiling. Like he's almost like he wakes up from the phone call at the very start. He's kind of on the couch in his you know uh, in his dressing gown. He just sort of wakes up and he's smiling. I think he's smiling with Melfi all the fucking time in this episode. Well, um, and I, I was I was reading some different uh, breakdowns of this episode and even some from at the time when it originally aired and um there was an interesting interesting point made that tony i mean even though tony's still the main character in this episode he is very much a side character even though we're with him a lot um he's just kind of he's a more happy-go-lucky wanderer into a lot of these scenes uh in comparison to what usually his role is on the show yeah, that's very true. Of course, the main character is Ralphie because the next <laughs> scene also has him here uh, when they're sitting down to discuss why'd you take Jackie out? Like, everyone keeps taking Jackie on these missions even <laughs> though Tony says, please don't do that. Like, literally everyone is doing that. I guess it's because, hey, what? But he's part of the family. Like, he's literally in the family. Why wouldn't we take him out? And Tony just keeps repeating that he promised his father, etc. Um, and then... He bring he says like cut that out and then more importantly he says I'm making our friend captain and again I don't know for a little while until later who what what's going on exactly who's becoming a captain I thought he maybe he meant Furio because he was there getting a cappuccino uh, and I was like thank God it wasn't Furio yeah um, he puts it was, uh, yeah, it was it Gigi <laughs> sorry go ahead it's Gigi he puts Gigi in and yeah it, it Gigi we haven't seen a ton at all I mean he. He is the one that killed um, Patsy or Patsy's brother. I forget which one's which. Oh, he right, killed, he's right, the one that right. killed Spoons. And, you know, we see him in a couple scenes. But, yeah, he's clearly – he's not on the level of obviously like a Polly or a Silvio or a Chris. And another thing that was pointed out, and I feel like they do it somewhat well, 
is how they do the show does act like Ralphie's been around this whole time. But clearly, like, Ralphie has not been around until this season, yeah. you know. But they're acting like this is a character that's always been around and he's <laughs> he's done really well and he should be put in place. Like, he's part of the April crew and he should be the captain. He's getting passed over or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, they kind of do that sometimes because, obviously, we're always hanging out with Tony and Paulie, Silvio, even Hesh to a, to a certain extent. Um but now they're like, no, Ralphie, Gigi, these are guys you know. Patsy Parisi, Spoons, you know these people. It's like, no, we don't. I feel like if they did a flashback to like season one, they'd just be there, you know, in the background. Like, <laughs> yeah. like even using footage from season one, you'd see them in the background, like eating leftovers in the Sopranos kitchen. Um, but so is Gigi the, the one who was arguing with Ralphie about who would get the garbage routes when they were at that the barbecue? That was... Um, Oh, that was what's the the guy that repeats everything. All right. Yeah. Um, I'm okay. spacing on his name, but he, you know, his his captain is the guy that got arrested at the end of season one. And remember, he's always looking in the mirror at himself. It's like you know, this guy's facing thirty years, and he's too busy looking at his plastic surgery or whatever. That, but that's a different right. character. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay, uh, so he's, he, Ralphie's upset because he's getting, you know, passed over, uh, but he can't really do nothing about it. As Tony says, it's my decision, so there you go, yep. and that's that. Um, then we have another therapy and, scene. Well, actually, real quick, it, it does at least make sense because even, like, the little we've seen of Ralphie, I mean, he's mm-hmm. not quite a Richie April situation, but you can tell he talks back a little and he does his own shit, like, you know, even though they beat up that guy, I don't feel like it was going against the grain. Like in the first episode or the second episode when he's like, remember what Tony said? No fires. Oh, yeah. But he was also lighting fires. He's also taking Jackie Jr. out. He he bends the rules of Tony's will enough that even though he makes a lot of money, you know, it's understandable why Tony may not fully trust him. Yes, absolutely. I mean, he's been in it more than Gigi, so I'm like, Ralphie, why is not Ralphie the captain? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's you know he's a bit of a wild card. You got to give it to him. So um, another therapy scene here, uh, where did Tony bring his? What actually happens in the therapy here? Um, let me see what I got on my notes here. Uh, they're mostly just talking about behavior modification. Um, oh, right. and there, this is where she's kind of making. This is like the 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 fullest move on her end to kind of maybe be rid of Tony. Like this is the full on, like she's kind of in her head that there's, we've kind of done what we can and we need to maybe talk to a behaviorist. You need to maybe move on to someone else. And Tony's taking it more as like, what did I do something wrong? Like, you know, I got to start all over. Like he's taking it the wrong way. Uh, where Melfi between her discussion with her own therapist and with her ex, and seeing that Tony's not putting in the full effort, she's realizing that he maybe needs to go to the next person. And that's why, like, as we start getting into some of the stuff that happens in this episode, is it maybe a weird cheat? Because it changes what's happening from this scene. You mean that she no longer wants him to go away to a yes. behaviorist? Correct. Yep. Yeah, kind of. I mean... Uh, I'm, I'm jumping ahead because I don't want to talk about the next scene, but the ending there when she clearly doesn't want him to go, it's like after breaking down like that in front of a patient, 
you shouldn't be their therapist anymore. Like, yeah. and I'm not putting any blame on her. She's in a horrible situation. But even just that part, that part's enough. Never mind the whole like, oh, my life got threatened and this and that because of this. Like, just the re- sort of relationship that you need to have to be in a good, healthy patient doctor situation. It, it doesn't really work if you have a breakdown. They're supposed to have the breakdown, not you. Again, not blaming her there, but even that would be enough to like, yeah, get him to a behaviorist now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And real quick to back up, just because it was bugging me, uh, Albert Barisi was the other guy. That's the guy that repeats things. Um, right. You know, he's classic. He's great. Uh, but yes, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, or at the very least, um, yeah, I mean, not that there's blame on her reaction, uh, because clearly, like, very traumatic episode for uh melfi here um but yeah you're right it kind of changes the dynamic of what you're supposed to have in therapy um yeah peter c in the chat before we uh move on mentioned that if they spattered in some more interactions with the new york mob in the last two seasons i would have uh had an easier time following which i think is true though i'll also mention that the sopranos has always been great at like dropping you into a situation and then letting you figure it out as you go because they put in enough stuff that i'm kind of like oh yeah you're that guy like i get it after a while well and what i liked the way they handle some of the mob stuff is that it's kind of clear that they have, you know, in, whether it be in the writers, writer's room or, you know, their show Bible or whatever you want to call it, they have, like, a background that says, okay, this is this business, this is this, and this is whatever, or at the at very least a skeleton of that because Tony mentions some bullshit when he's talking to Ralphie, like, oh, when you, you, when you sided with the blah, blah, blah on the blah, 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 it doesn't yeah. really matter that, that we know what it is. We just kind of get that, okay, there's this business and that business, and that's where they're getting money, and it's a scam, and they're robbing everybody. So what? Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, we get to the next scene. And again, I'll start with Peter C. in the chat here, who says, the rape scene here was uh, worse than maybe any in The Handmaid's Tale, so brutal and out of the norm for the show. How do you feel about that? Uh, I mean, I think it's, uh, I think that's pretty accurate, fairly accurate. Uh yeah. It's weird because I guess maybe it's either uh, due to age difference or, you know, the way the discussions are today in 2018 or something, but it definitely affected me way more rewatching because I don't think I've rewatched this episode since it probably originally aired because yeah. I, I, there are they're, they're a good amount, like season one and two I've seen a bunch of times, season three I've seen a few episodes a few times, same with season four, but... Outside of that, this is my true, like, rewatch. Um, and, like, yeah, I mean, it was still brutal, but uh, it definitely was effective more. And I think also because we've been discussing the characters a bit more, so you feel, like, that more connection, I guess, with what characters are going through and what they're about. And, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, I mean, it's it's rough and brutal, and especially there's a lot of discussion these days on, you know, rape as a story uh, telling device. And I mean, not that it's yeah. new to now because I was looking up some of the reviews originally and it was the same discussion then. It just feels new now for whatever reason. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, because we, because maybe some critic was talking about it then, but now because television and movies, well, mostly television in this case, you know, is so big, notably on Game of Thrones, that discussion comes out 
10 times per season because it yeah. happens 10 times per season yeah. so it's always brought up as like what was the actual thought behind this what what part of this is actually uh just a perverse thing of why did you want this to happen in your story and of course i would never say to someone like limit what you're doing in your storytelling at the same time though there have been shows where things like this have happened and i've just stopped watching and not passing any judgment on the show just feeling kind of like oh cool i uh this is not for me anymore i didn't like the way that made me feel and i don't believe like believe me i i don't need every show to make me feel like sunshine and puppies or whatever but when something like that happens and it's not important enough like it's not justified enough then it's like uh you know and, and i'm not gonna say this is one way or the other but as peter c mentioned the handmaid's tale uh, we do a Handmaid's Tale podcast. I highly recommend that show. It deals with a lot of dark subject matter related to this. Um, at the same time, w- this is a bit more out of the blue. And um, I, I, of course, I would never tell like David Chase what to do. <laughs> like we're all we're idiots compared to David Chase. Yeah. Uh, but it's because maybe it's because it's so tied in with this character of Richard as well and his whole hate of italian stereotypes and blah 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 this part of the show that's always felt sort of weak and a bit like just weird the way it's always they're always talking about that there's no three-dimensionality there but this it's a huge part of what's happening here i don't i don't know it is really brutal it did affect me a lot and it was really shocking basically is what i'm saying and i'm not gonna say like oh they shouldn't have done that but i'll say this episode i saw people were really positive on it critically speaking and uh i don't i didn't necessarily feel that way i don't know um well i i think i kind of agree i do think it's it i think on paper um it it, i think on paper it seems like a a bad idea or like a cheat and in a way it kind of is because it is it's it's throwing trauma at melfi to keep her latched onto tony uh, to keep this, you know, therapy angle going for the show. But I think the episode and the way it's handled and the way it's used to bring out a different morality question or a choice and especially reflect that on the audience, I think elevates it where it, it works much better. Uh, yeah. Also, I, I mean, I don't know how true this is, but reading up on some of the different uh, discussions around this episode uh, where David Chase was under the impression that maybe the show was only going to go another season. And this was kind of a part of the Melfi arc uh, to, to start bringing things home maybe a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that would uh, affect the choice a bit more. Uh, where it does, I mean, it doesn't. It, spoiler alert: uh, it goes like seven seasons, so <laughs> there's still there's still more episodes. We're not even halfway through yet. Um, yeah. But I mean, I get I, I get what you're saying, and and obviously, I still I, I think that's still legitimate. But uh, I think the way the episode plays out, and the fact that it is like you know, I mean, clearly there's been a lot of discussion, whether it be about media and female characters and especially you know in the 2018 climate whether it be uh me too and stuff like that it's 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 interesting how relevant it feels without feeling like eye rolly because you know something does it now because they think they're responding to it 
um, when it's just more of a lazy take. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think that what they do with it elevates it uh, above what it would look like on paper. Yeah, I think you're right. And, of course, we want the episode to end with Tony fucking this guy up and murdering him. Of course, we want that. At the same time, the way it ends, it makes so much sense. I had a David Chase quote here on it. Uh, If you're raised on a steady diet of Hollywood movies and networks TV, you start to think, obviously, there's going to be some moral accounting here. That's not the way the world works. It all comes down to why you're watching. If all you want is to see big Tony Soprano take that guy's head and bang it against the wall like a cantaloupe, the point is... Melfi, despite pain and suffering, made her moral ethical choice and we should applaud her for it. That's the story. Yep. And that's made plain in the last shot of the episode, which is, a, I mean, despite whatever I said before, I don't know what I said, I was rambling because it is emotional and weird and it affected me a lot. Um, but the last shot is really powerful as well uh, of the episode. And it's sort of, it's sort of, makes it all make sense why this episode is put together the way it is. Uh, Because, of course, a lot of the rest of the episode is about her figuring out, just like the episode starts with, it's her feelings about Tony, because everything's about Tony, Uh, and then her dream later, of course, and all that stuff tying together. Uh, I will say, maybe it's... I'm not saying it's poor or anything, but the, the content of the episode is... Like, there's stuff about the leg in this episode where I feel like maybe you needed some other scenes in order to make this really hit home. Because it feels like, I don't know, but it feels like this is not going to come up again in a huge significant way for the rest of the season for this character. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but it just felt like for they Melfi? closed it off. So- yeah, for Melfi, okay. I mean. Because yep. they closed it off so well. Uh, that I felt like, well, maybe we didn't need to do the leg storyline and the Ralphie stuff or whatever, because maybe it needed a bit more room to breathe since all the scenes with Richard were about Tony. Like, I I don't know. I think it is good, um, but I don't know. It made me feel really weird. Yeah, I was was reading some discussions on that as well as far as the the Janice storyline and... I mean, I don't know if this is what they intended, but an interesting answer to it at least was, you know, um, just because something major happens to a character doesn't mean that every other character, their thing stops. So even though it comes off a little weird, uh, it kind of makes sense that this stuff's happening. Although it's weird because I don't some of the some of these times it's almost like we're trying to rationalize what they did. And maybe it was just a weird, happy accident that they're like, ah, we got to continue the Janice storyline. Let's just like, look, we, we got to put it here. We can't wait till the next episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't know if they had these, you know, this in-depth of a discussion. I mean, I assume they did. I, I give David Chase obviously a lot of credit. Uh, but yeah, it is like an interesting, you know, because people bring up that, you know, we have this horrible scene. But then it's kind of a funny scene later when the guy smacks Janice in the face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it is funny. She falls on her guitar or whatever. Like, oh, I get, that's what you get. <laughs> uh, and and oh. there's a discussion on, um, I believe it cuts from the rape scene. Or actually, not, not from the rape scene. It, it cuts from, like, maybe when they're at the doctor's office or something to the bing. Uh, it's like yeah. a stripper's ass or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um and how purposeful that was and if it's, you know, maybe foreshadowing other stuff. But, hey, we'll, we'll see as we go through season three. 
Ah, Melfi becomes a stripper. Yeah. Damn it, you got to spoiler alert me on those things, Jim. <laughs> Clearly, I will understand what you're saying. Uh, but yeah, so I, I just I was just was thinking, maybe we don't need the leg stuff and the guy moving in to New Jersey and like some guy on the television talking about renovating the, you know, the darkest area. Like all these things are in the episode where I it didn't it may have needed a, a little bit more space to breathe. Uh, if you're dealing with something this big and traumatic. Like, if this was The Handmaid's Tale, we would have had, like, 18 scenes of June staring at the camera. Uh, of course, that wouldn't necessarily solve anything here. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's let's move on well, to... Well, at the very uh, least, um, one take on the Johnny Sack thing, it just kind of uh, connects a little bit to, you know, if we get into, the, like, a moral discussion and choices that are made, and Melfi is a good person, and something bad happens to her, and she remains a good person, whereas yep. someone like Johnny Sack is not a good person, and he does whatever he wants, or even Tony Soprano, and they get, like, everything that they... I mean, not that Melfi's hard up, like, living on the streets, you know, they have a nice house or whatever, but it's clearly not as nice as Johnny Sack uh, or even Tony Soprano, so... I, again, I, I that it does that does still feel more like we, the audience, trying to piece it together uh, rather than the the writers themselves. But you know, hey, they probably intended it. I assume. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Peter in the chat. It wasn't enjoy. It wasn't enjoyable for me, and I think that scene uh, would uh, would stick with me for the next couple of episodes at the very least. And I'm interested in whether the show will sort of stick with it or if it did feel a bit like oh this is our last season we got to do this now like you mentioned uh maybe that's also part of it maybe this could have needed uh, this could have happened over the course of two episodes maybe i well, don't know Again, and then, i haven't seen the sopranos if you're a new listener well i mean and especially like if we look at it uh again from i guess the current standpoint like a 2018 standpoint even in comparison to a show like breaking bad i don't i don't think breaking bad indicted their audience as much as something like the Sopranos does like David Chase or the writers of Sopranos seem to really like enjoy making the audience like because obviously a big part of this is that they want the audience to be like yeah like even though he makes like that quote you read he's kind of making fun of that idea they understand that majority of their audience everyone's like yes tell Tony we want to see Tony destroy that fucking guy but yeah. the show is saying, like, no, you're wrong for wanting that, and you're wrong for liking Tony Soprano. <laughs> and even though Breaking Bad, yeah, it's about how Chips becomes Scarface, I don't think they ever really made that much of a indictment of the audience for rooting for Walter White. Maybe a little bit, but The Sopranos, I mean, it's season three, and they've done it so many times, and uh, will continue to do so. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, clearly, we need a Breaking Bad podcast, but basically, what you're saying is <laughs> yeah. so true that like they let him be cool, and they let like they they so do those moments where it's like a western, and he, the, these characters are so badass, and then afterwards, it's kind of like, hey, remember they're evil, <laughs> like yeah. they're more like that rather than like just saying no, the world is hell, yeah. and you know there is no morality, things like that. Um, so, you know, there's a bunch of scenes following this. Well, uh, we I, don't I, necessarily need to get into Well, I do want to talk them. about, I mean, it's like, obviously, it's uh, the, the scene itself. It's, yeah, it's brutal. And, I mean, it's done the way it should be. I mean, it, it should be a brutal scene. Um, yeah. They don't, it's nothing like flashy done about it, like music or camera moves or whatever. Uh, but then even more so, then when, it, when, she, when she's at the doctor's office and 
the way her husband's so powerless and then the, her son comes in and he's like, you know, the world's a fucking shithole or whatever he says. Uh, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's even more like not even more, but it just continues that hit because it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm getting like misty eyed because it's like, you know, what do you do? And it does, it, it feels like, Maybe there's an out because it it seems like the detectives are doing their job and they picked up the guy and they give you that hope and then they take it away later on. Like, yeah, I mean, it's pretty, pretty well done, I, I would say. This this detectives even introduced like, oh, I'm a hello. I'm a character like I'm going to be in this some more. <laughs> yeah. And then like, oh, we can't get her on the phone. I guess she's on a different case. We're never going to see her again. Yeah. And then, he, um, yeah, Richard makes a comment that it's an Italian name. I thought it was a Puerto Rican, which his name is Jesus Rossi. So maybe he's part Italian, part Puerto Rican, as we find out later on. So maybe mm-hmm. Richard's not all bad. Uh, then it, it's it, the interesting. I like the choice of having Carmela be on the phone because you can still read it that Carmela still has the suspicion. Is Tony fucking this lady? Uh, what is going on? And even Tony reads that because he he's concerned, which is it's kind of a sweet moment that Tony's concerned. But he also is like, uh oh. If I'm too concerned, <laughs> Carmela is going to think I'm fucking here. And he's eating his celery, and he's like, the knee, it's a, it's a very bad injury. You know, it never quite heals right. And because it's like it, they throw in these moments of levity, and it's, it's hilarious to me when Melfi has to call her other patient, and she's like, I know talking on the phone upsets you, but I'll need to cancel our upcoming appointment. It's such a fun little thing to throw in there to kind of break the tension a little bit. Yeah, and also because it does remind us she's not just calling Tony Soprano. <laughs> yeah. uh, she actually does have other patients, which we you know never see her uh, deal with or anything. Uh, and yeah, with, as far as Carmilla, I, I will say like I like uh, Carmilla as a character and everything. I do lose track of her sometimes. I mm. do lose track of like where are we and how she's feeling with family and Tony. Because at some point she wanted another kid. At some point she was almost having an affair, but decided against it. Then there was the tennis guy who just vanished. Like I don't know where her head is at, so I don't know how to read when she. He's just sitting there like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because then they're, you know, they're they're not, like, fighting in the episode exactly. They go to, they have a party, or they go to the party, you know, whatever. Uh, so, so it's a bit hard for me sometimes with Carmela because she goes around in circles a little bit, character-wise. Yes, yeah, no, I agree. Because they kind of, it's like, uh, again, this is almost rationalizing some of, like, they're not handling her character great. But, like, you can rationalize it where... Carmilla's life was going on because we don't see her a ton. So we're just checking in on, on her in different moments. Like, but yeah. I do love that use of the tennis instructor because we get it all from just her reaction that yeah. they had this whole tryst or whatever. And now, yeah, I just read it as she is looking for, she's looking for a red flag that she's fucking, that Tony's fucking Dr. Melfi. Um, and then even while uh, Melfi calls Tony, Richard's still going on like, oh, my God, how could that woman be married to that man? Like, he's still going on with his bullshit. Yeah. And I think after that, we have the Tony and Carm conversation. Then we go back to check in with Melfi and Richard wants to call the detective because they're waiting on a call for her to go down to ID him. And, you know, this is where we find out they mishandled the chain of custody the detective they were working with isn't even on the case anymore. She's in um, juvenile cases now or something or other. And, you know, the police are fucking bumbling fools is basically what we're learning here. Yeah. And uh, she, 
I mean, she rightfully accuses him of trying to, after that she's called as well and had this devastating news, accuses uh, him of putting the blame on her because he's all, you know, you can't be alone in a garage. What were you thinking, more mm. or less? Yep. And uh, in turn, she turns that around on him. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why do you only care about what race or uh, heritage this person has? Are you insane? Uh, basically, you should have seen your face when you heard they had an Italian name. Um, and, you know, she's very uh, and even like justifiably if, upset. Well, even on, uh, if I wasn't on the phone with you, maybe I would have saw that guy and this wouldn't have oh, happened. Yeah. Yeah, the whole fucking world's about your self-esteem. Now, she is sort of uh, taking the voice of the audience here because that's exactly what we've said. Why are you always only <laughs> talking about this and nothing else ever? Uh, presumably, they do have other conversations, but we don't know yeah. that. So uh, I definitely agree with Melfi here. Um, as she, she says, fuck you, Richard, and walks off. Yes. And then we check in with the crew at the Bing, and they're making some great fat jokes about Johnny Sack's wife. Uh, you know, just talking about how fat she is and, uh, they're all laughing like, you know, what, two guys double teamed her and they never met. And then like, as they're laughing, he walks in like, fuck two. (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) Oh, nothing. You know? (laughs) And yes, we learn about the riverfront project. We see the assemblyman that was at Livia's funeral. That's, uh, in business with Tony and the gang. These, this is the one reason why I forgive this in a way. And I guess it's more hindsight is this it's more like this stuff like this pops up a lot on this show where they just plant seeds of like this is a thing they're doing um and this is a thing where they get a lot of money from or whatever this is how like everyone's corrupt not just them yeah and what the assemblyman says sounds good so but it's gonna go into their pockets basically that's what i'm gathering from this yes yeah we're basically all and, and and i just assume any big uh, construction project or something you hear about on the news, even if it's not the literal mafia, uh, whoever's working on it, they're pocketing a ton of money. They're like, you know, it's the, at least here in America, there's the old thing of like, oh, the government's going to pay $50 for a hammer or something because, you know, they yeah. buy the hammer and then split up the money amongst everyone else. Uh, yeah, and, and I just noticed the guy says as well that one of the attractions is going to be the Museum of Science and Trucking. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they all have garbage yeah. trucks, so it's yeah. clearly going to be a big part of it. They're going to take some cash there as well. Um, so there's another scene where uh, Melfi and Richard reconcile, where he talks about what he wants to do is go and kill that man with his bare hands but he can't yeah and this sort of is i mean there's another scene in between but it does sort of lead into the dream i would say although yeah. there is some other stuff in and, between, e- and even before that i thought this was a pretty sweet scene because it's like it just felt real i mean i know rich like the richard character is there to be you know to 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 basically be rabbit eight mile the critics of sopranos be like oh yeah i do live in a part i do live in a trailer with my mom like yeah you know what we are showing uh, italians as pieces of shit so what uh so you know i i like that this showed a little bit more because it felt like a real thing you know you have a fight with your girlfriend and then later on it's like things cool down you know he comes to the door he's like is it okay if i come in they have like a you know they're apologetic to each other and it, but it also did feel real as well, like just what he's talking about. Um, and, and like you said, yeah, it's going to tie into Tony's role and her dream later on. And even to what her son was saying, like if something like this happens, 
you you want to just go tear somebody apart. You want to destroy them. And I mean, we there are news news stories where that does happen, and usually the the main like the public is kind of like good. Like when you yeah. hear if like someone's daughter gets molested. Like there was a story I think a week ago where a guy was trying to bust into a a bathroom stall where a guy's daughter was, and the father came in and he beat the dude to death. Um, oh yeah. And now maybe beating him to death <laughs> was a bit much. <laughs> maybe just beat him up or something. Um, and, you know, I think they're trying to bring that guy up on charges. But people are kind of outraged. They're like, no, he beat that guy to death. Good for him. I, and so it's all very real stuff. Uh, and this, you know, especially you turn you're doing the right thing. You turn to the police, people that are supposed to protect you and you get caught up in some red tape things don't go as as they should and now it's like this is why we have characters like batman because uh we want batman to go and beat the shit out of the guy or whatever uh so yeah. I, I i like this scene I'll, and while i assume that what happens with the evidence or whatever is something that happens it also feels so in that direction it's like yes. it's very clear what's happening story-wise yes. which is also maybe what made me question you know again and i don't necessarily want to change anything but it's it's a little heavy-handed when it's like it's not just that he got off uh, it's like in one scene it's just like oh no that's just not happening and they literally True. have like she gets to say like two words on the phone and then like justice doesn't work she yeah. turns to the camera because that's what the scene is doing very true and uh, and you know rich is like oh i'm gonna get my lawyer but it's all irrelevant because it's just taken away and the scene ends it's a good cut uh of you know his clenched fists being lowered because he can't do anything and we cut to tony just chopping wood which i've never <laughs> seen him do yeah. ever uh it's a little heavy-handed well, as well he but did have that hatchet when he was at the uh landscape in place uh, when he was trying to get the pesticides, but we still didn't okay. see him chop any wood there. Um, sure. But yeah, you're right. They definitely it's 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 weird because it's unrealistic, but also realistic because you do hear yeah. about this stuff really happening. They obviously expedite it for uh, dramatic and episodic purposes here. And to your point, where you're saying maybe if they did give it a little bit more room and not spend so much time with like Jackie Jr. or Janice in the leg, it wouldn't feel as rushed. Uh, but that's why it's like I forgive it just because you hear stories sometimes of either a murderer yeah. getting off or this and ha- or this and that happening because people don't know how to do their jobs or because there's all this red tape to cut through. Uh, but yeah, yeah, and then so yeah, Tony's cutting wood, uh, and what <laughs> is that? What Christopher shows up, I believe. Christopher shows up like you said, Satriali's at one, and he's like, now you know how it feels. Which I does that mean Chris is always late, or is there a specific thing he's referring to? It feels like there's something missing here, but unless they're just going off of when Christopher didn't answer his pager that time and went back to sleep. But right. it, it it does seem like there's almost a scene or something that was missing. But just from the general general vibe of Chris, you know that he's probably never showed up or been late to meetings. Right. Uh, so now, finally, the FBI gets some return on their investment as they go and have their mob talk in the basement there, uh, where Tony feels safe for some reason. And they're talking about Jackie or uh, Lord Fuckpants or whatever how they refer yeah. to them in the episode. And I, I mean, it's so comedic as well. You mentioned some levity. And when the FBI is like, whose moniker is that? And Lord <laughs> Fuckpants, and they take out a binder to try to figure out who they're talking about. Um, but basically, it's all about 
again, I think the fifth scene I've seen Tony tell someone to leave Jackie out of the business. Uh, but this time it's like, but for real, leave him out of the business. And I'm like, he's never going to be left out of the business. Uh, well, and gosh. I like, well, I like Chris's pushback here because he's like, what? He's too good for this, but I'm not. And yeah. it's, it, it, there is this kind of father son moment that it almost seems like it should have been in the last episode or something like the previous episode. Um, yeah. Because and then Tony has to kind of be tender with him and be like, "Hey, I love you." Like you know, because he is, you know, his, his another de facto son for him, uh, and it's not a bad thing. You know, Tony Tony loves Chris, and he, you know, he he wants him. He's not like us. You know, Jackie's not like us. He's not like us for this way of life. Yeah, yeah, this thing of ours, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, we we have a therapy scene where Tony gets to see how banged up Melfi has become um i think this time did he bring his homework or no no he he she had some papers and things about oh yes uh yep. thing i guess the turning point here is when her cane or crutch falls over and well, she it, really jumps and even before that though uh she has to walk by the scene of the crime uh basically yeah. where she's, she has to stop and stare at the spot on the stairs and walk up to her office and i her office is all over the place dude like from what the what the inside looks like to remember that hallway where he almost ran into Silvio. I know. Yeah, uh, I know. I to, thought about that as well. Like, to, where is this place? Because there's this parking garage. Yeah. We've also seen him pull up. We've, we've like, seen how Tony, does any of this connect? <laughs> we've seen Tony pull up to a storefront and like go out the back <laughs> to come up behind the building uh, in other cases. And yeah, when he almost ran into Silvio, like... Now there's a parking garage and stairs and it yeah this this building is it's it's very convenient for whatever you want to do which is fine they shouldn't be there shouldn't have to be like ah oh, damn we wanted to do this thing but we've already established the building is like this <laughs> yes um, so anything more of interest here in the uh, in the scene I I don't really think so yeah I mean this is she just just says she wants to keep busy basically yeah this is a good tease basically of uh, you know I like that they. They have two separate therapy scenes because, you know, we're already screaming at the TV to to have Melfi tell Tony what happened and tell uh, talk about this guy. Yeah. And we're seeing her, you know, PTSD here. Uh, yeah. Reacting to the cane fall and then and just Tony's reaction to seeing her beat up like that, uh, you know, tells us a lot of, you know, Tony does care about this person. Um, you know, uh, and maybe this will happen, but I kind of wish that even though it is the basic, like Hollywood aspect of me, I honestly expected when, when the scene was happening, I thought, oh, of course, Tony's going to show up and save the day. And that's going to be the turning point. Nope. Of course not. Cause it's the Sopranos. And then later, obviously I'm thinking, oh, he's going to kill the guy. It's going to be fine. Nope. Because she has to take the moral high ground. Can't tell him, which makes sense. But I kind of still wished, like, he has had a private detective on her before. He could oh, easily yeah. figure out what happened and do it. And she would get to be morally fine. And he could, we could still get the satisfaction. But that is sort of the base Hollywood side of me as well. That just, urgh, I love Heisenberg. Yeah, if only uh, Home Alone Detective didn't kill himself, he would have <laughs> yeah. been there to save the day. you know. And that actually would have been great for him because he feels like a piece of shit. He would have had a great exactly. heroic moment that made him realize, wow. My life does mean something, but that's exactly. what happens. Uh, and the scene ends with the clip from the beginning of yes. the show, and I agree. I agreed with you because that, like, they were having a conversation, and it was sort of an abrupt cut 
when he's like, then how do you get people to do what you want? And I didn't get how that connected to the conversation, really. Yeah, because he's she's talking about how you don't have to always... You can't control the world. And he does make a good point. You can get pissed off. You, you, you definitely are allowed to be angry at things. And But her argument... You know, it's the argument of the episode in a way. Because, yeah, her argument is, well, you still can't control it. And you can't... Like, what it, what, it, what is lashing out going to really accomplish... Uh, yeah. you know, you, like, you think that you have it figured out, but you have panic attacks and that's because yeah. things are triggered in your life triggered. Well, wow. Who would have thought they were so ahead of their time? Uh, things are triggered in your life that, you, you know, can't control and don't know how to react to. And then his question is, well, how do you get people to do what you want? Um, I, I don't know, Tony, what are you talking about? Why'd you ask that? Yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, so we, we do cut to Jackie bringing in, I don't know, a big pot pressure cooker whatever it is doesn't really matter he's there to meet meadow basically because uh ralphie brought it up earlier oh she's turning into a real mink as he put it <laughs> uh, i had to put on subtitles for that like what the fuck is he saying uh he's, she's turning into a mink apparently and um so jackie gets to meet tony and they get to have another conversation there um about i mean he's just there again saying i promised your dad again i feel like given the subject matter of the episode i have seen eight scenes like this Very i'm true. not exaggerating yeah uh, either he should be in or out at this point tony should either do something to keep him out and not just talk about it or what because this is episode four already and uh stop telling him or do something about it or shut the fuck up tony yes yeah yeah, I think you're right. Like Tony, like nothing. There's nothing new with Tony and Jackie here. Uh, it is really just about you know Jackie and Meadow kind of having a quick scene, and then even Jackie agreeing in a weird way. Like you know, don't worry, Tony. I won't tell anyone about the Moulin Yan. Like, <laughs> like, oh no, this can you know the, this. This can't get out, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it made me laugh because uh, he's he's so. Don't worry, Tony. I won't tell nobody. And, and Tony's just like, get the fuck out of here, basically. Oh uh, well, and also he does do. I do like the the moment where he's being like, I heard that you passed over uh, Ralphie. I think it was a good move. Like trying to talk yeah. to him, like he's in on it. It, it. it reminded me of the you know the guys last season, like Bevilacqua, when they're in the bathroom and they're like. Hey, you know, yeah. it's a it, it's a joy to doing work busting safes for you or whatever. And it's like, "Oh my god, you fucking moron. Uh stop acting like you're a part of our thing." Um and then yeah, then yes. we go to Melfi at the like basically a, you know, what a sandwich shop or something or other, uh uh a sub shop. I think it's called or like Raps something. Uh the name Oh yeah, Rap Nation is the name. Oh, like W R A P. Yeah. That's pretty clever, actually. I hope that's a real place. <laughs> well, I don't know, because it wouldn't be great marketing. The <laughs> yeah. only place I saw the name is on the poster with the employee of the month, which is the rapist, of course, and the title of the episode there. Yeah. So uh, she leaves. Um, next scene, Janice gets uh, broken into. These Russians, they really, like, don't make us do this. Uh, but, of course, she does. And uh, she gets knocked around a little bit. And then we cut just to him, her opening a locker, I guess, in a train station or something. They usually mm -hmm. have those there. Yep. I would guess so. And the little egg's just there. And the, what is it they say? Uh, oh, you're callous? Is that yeah, right? and he's like, what fuck you, you're callous. Because it's like, <laughs> yeah. you stole someone's leg. <laughs> it's so true. And it's so annoying as well for Tony because... Um, of course, later in the in the hospital, he's like, "Why? 
you know, I don't like you, and I would slap you around if I could, but I can't let them do that without doing something about it because you are my sister. Of course. Even though I agreed, I also wanted you to give the leg back, and I told you to do it. Now I have to do something about this. Thanks a lot, Janice. And she's too busy talking about God at that point. Yeah, basically just kind of uh, on principle at this point. Like, yeah, Tony can't let that happen. Uh, I do love Janice. She says something like, well... She Janice is doing her delusional thing. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, she's she's talking about God or whatever and having this moment of clarity where she thinks she's hit rock bottom. But she pinpoints it like, when did it all start? And it's like when Richie died. And it's like, no, like you're still deluding yourself. And she has uh, she has a, a comment of like, she's uh, I was always functioning at a very high level. Like, <laughs> it's like no, you weren't. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's it's just a nice like. All right, we're setting it up for some new Janice that's going to be even more insufferable. Yeah, and they they edited well on like showing Tony's reaction when she's like, "Oh, Richie passed away," or like he died. Like, oh yeah, he died. Did he, Janice? (laughs) Um, So then there's the dream, and it's pretty clear that it's a dream pretty early on. It's very dramatic lighting, and like we've grown used to seeing dreams in this show at this point. And uh, she sees the high voltage as she brings up later. Uh, it says, you know, New Jersey gas and electricity, yeah. which is, uh, you know, a connection to Tony there. Well, because even There's in the, the machine, be- the beginning, yeah. I forget if it's either a camera move in or even if it's just the way like it's like a weird almost funhouse proportion. Like it's like kind of zoomed in, but wide on the edge. Like they they definitely they want to tip you off immediately it's not one of those we're going to pretend this is real and then there's a realization that it's a dream uh we're in a dream and they do they do the thing where i mean the dream's not subtle but then they also explain the dream but i yeah. forgive it i feel like it makes sense because it's not so much about explaining the dream to us it's just melfi unpacking it to herself and then yeah. kind of what it means to her so i think it works still yeah, absolutely, and and uh, they put the explanation right after instead of having a scene. You know, granted, I was saying you know give it more space, but previously we have had scenes, and then the next episode they're like talking about a dream they had, and I'm like, I forgot about. I don't care about the Wizard of Oz anymore. Uh, but they just go right into a scene where they lay out what that meant, um, and of course the dog, the big hulking dog there is Tony Soprano. Yeah, and she's putting macaroni in the. <laughs> cola machine just one little macaroni don't don't know what that's about um but yeah so she says she's not going to do that even if she wants and i can have him uh, squashed like a bug i could have him squat like i could have him squashed like a bug if i want i like how she plays the scene a lot because you know there is like um like not fear from her but like almost fear for me because it's like she's she's really coming off like like a badass in a way. I don't mean that like that. Like, but you know what I mean? Like she's, she's like angry and we don't really see Melfi like that. And she, you do get the sense that just talking about it is giving her this pleasure and safety that she needs. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think it's, it's done really well. Yes. Um, and I, I think she did submit this one to, 
like f- for best actress for an Emmy. Uh, yeah. Yes. You have to submit an episode. She, she submitted this one uh, for for best outstanding lead actress, and uh, apparently she was a a favorite beforehand, but uh, did not win. Um, it's actually well in this see. episode. I mean. Well, just be careful because I think she lost to Sopranos, and this episode actually also lost to Sopranos. But episode I'll not, I'll, I'll just stop clicking links on yeah. Wikipedia then. <laughs> I was just gonna say because it's two episodes from this season that we haven't seen yet. I believe I don't know the episode. Yeah. I don't know who she lost as far as the acting's concerned, but I did read the episode this lost to. Um, and not that it's a big spoiler to know it's an episode later, but just I'm just saying be be cautious because we we haven't gotten there yet. Well, she lost to Carmilla. Yeah. So we have that to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but there we go. Um, so there's this party as well before we finish up uh, where they're they're in this, you know, great new huge house um, to match the size of his wife, as Sylvia <laughs> would have said. <laughs> oh, 2018. Can't make those jokes anymore. Um, but Tony basically gets to see uh, Ralphie have a little word with this guy, Sax, is it? Johnny Sax? Yeah, Johnny Sax. Yep. And yeah, because yeah. they're all talking about, uh, you know, how much you think this place uh, costs. And, you know, what they, I think they make a comment like landscaping alone, 150000 And I think Gigi, I like Gigi's line because he says, um, never mind the property tax, and you have to pay those. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> uh, and yeah, that. And then as they're all saying this, Tony looks off in the distance, sees Johnny, uh, Johnny Sack, and Ralphie kind of smiling together. And we do know that from what everyone says, we haven't seen it really. Because I mean, even in this episode, we see him show up with a light envelope. Well, no, he fills in for the. He says, "I had to put in my own money." Yeah. But uh, yeah. he's. Everyone says he's a good earner. That's like every time anyone's talking. Uncle Junior said it. Uh, I think even even Jackie Jr. said it. <laughs> Everyone's talking about what a good earner this guy is. Yeah, absolutely. And he filled in the money, the missing money, like Christopher has learned you have to do. Speaking of which, Christopher just making out like crazy with his fiance there against the wall at this uh, <laughs> yeah. party. Just wanted to mention that as well because that was pretty <laughs> graphic too. Um, and then there is the final therapy scene, which we've already touched on, where Tony kind of comes in because we've had like, I guess we've had like four therapy scenes just with Tony and Melfi in this episode, and then two other ones as well. Um, So it's a lot of it. Uh, And uh, he has gotten the feeling that she wants to sort of push him off, push him out, and he's come come to terms with it. And just the idea of that after her dream and after everything, uh, you know, combined, she starts uh, breaking down a bit. And he walks over like, what can I do? Tell me what's the matter. And she says, no, go, you go sit there. You, You sit in that chair. And like, what? Just something you want to tell me? No. Yep. Great ending of the episode. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great way to end it. And I like your read on it um, as a, you know, like wondering if we're going to go back to this or not. I will say the common conception from the audience at the time was always, when are we going to get back to this? When is she going to yeah. tell Tony what happened? <laughs> Uh, read from that what yeah. you will. It sounds a bit like people are missing the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, okay. Yeah. At the same time, like just as far as the character, uh, 
I don't know. I'm still interested in when, when what, where that's going to go, if that's going to go anywhere or not. Uh, I also do genuinely feel like she should not be his therapist <laughs> at this point, <laughs> like for real, uh, for a, you know a bunch of reasons. But even just the way the way she uh, like the way she breaks down, he walks over, tries to help. Not even like not that sh- she shouldn't tell him, but not telling him she can't blame it on the leg so i don't know it's really hard to do a session after this even if you want to for your own sake melfi uh i don't know if it's what's best for tony right now yes well it it absolutely solidifies the relationship as they're dependent well i guess codependent now um yeah i mean that's always been there but in more of a trivial sense of like uh, initially, maybe it was some personal responsibility as a doctor to try to help a fellow human being, and then it was kind of for the thrill of it and being kind of addicted to that, like the danger. Uh, but now it's like a real, it's more of a real like emotional thing because it is like this illusion of safety and just the fact that there's now there's always this connection and just the fact that she has the opportunity to maybe drop this gentleman's name and, you know, let loose the dogs of war or what have you. So it, 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 yes, as far as a rational doctor patient relationship, it's, it's done and it, it, it is, it was already done before this and it's, it's even more done. Um, and, this you know extends that and and like we were talking about earlier in this discussion in a way it's a weird cheat cheat because it's like they know that this should be over and they need a way to keep it going but it's done in a greater sense of like storytelling and even like audience reflection on the stories that you're following and what you're reacting to and how you should be reacting to that yes uh, regarding their relationship, Peter in the chat said, uh, I presume you have not watched The Sopranos because he says, uh, if we get a Tony and Melfi sex scene, I'll be so annoyed. I trust the show not to do something like that, but worst case scenario. Uh, yeah, that does seem like something a show would do when they just ra- run out of ideas. And even though they may have thought they just had the one season left, I still have confidence that... They're so far away from running out of ideas for these characters. And I look forward to what's next. Peter says he's watching week to week with us. Nice. We appreciate that. And we appreciate the same if you're doing that at home. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Whether you're a first-time viewer like me and Peter or a Jim Scampoli veteran over here plowing through again. Um, So until next week, anything we should bring up? Well, yeah, Yeah. I was going to say before we finish up, um, well, first of all, I would like to say I really appreciate the commitment that some people out there are doing where they're watching it week to week with us because we know you could just blow through this whole show in like a week, not even, I bet, uh, in this binge culture. So it's a nice commitment to kind of go through, unpack these episodes uh, and really kind of let them simmer for a bit because I think this is a show that it's warranted. Not to say if you're on a rewatch, we appreciate that as well. But I do want to say, like, going back to, you know, the want of Melfi to tell Tony. And, I mean, I'm not going to even act like I'm above it. I want that too. I want to see Tony, like, yeah. as David Chase said, smash the guy's head against the wall. But it's funny to, if you take a second to even just think about how uninteresting that would be like to have yeah. it on the show. And then it's like, where do you go? Because now it's like Melfi and Tony are both 
like in the mob together in a weird way because <laughs> yes. she owes him now because he did a solid for her and it would just lead it down such a different path to what we know the show is at least at this point i mean i guess there's an argument to say maybe that would be the game changer where we get a different show but i'm glad we're not there at least yet well that's a very good point because i've had the same thought about for example other shows let's uh not name any names handmaid's tale i'm talking about handmaid's tale where you really want something to happen but then you realize if that happened the show wouldn't be as interesting anymore um because like you mentioned it would be like the other shows would just have the cool moment because why not and then figure out what to do from there and uh vince gilligan the creator of uh, breaking bad actually said something really interesting along those lines that if you follow what's cool and instead of following the character that's uh, that way lies monsters because you can probably keep people fooled and yourself fooled for a while that it's a great story because cool shit's happening uh but you you won't go wrong if you follow the characters instead Mm -hmm. so and until next week oh sorry just one quick caveat i mean i know this isn't about the handmaid's tale but to argue against the handmaid's tale they hold back Maybe a bit too much. But, hey, you'll hear more of that very shortly if you're listening live or if you listen to our uh, Handmaid's Tale podcast, The Gilead Gazette. Yes, which we're actually coming up with right now live. But, yes, until next week, please do check out The Gilead Gazette and, of course, jimandthem.com if you want to hear more about weird news stories. I did feel like we were heading into Jim and Them territory there (laughs) when you started telling me about some weird violent news story because I get all my information on that from jimandthem.com. There's also, of course, awesomepedia.org if you want to follow any of my creations, such as podcasts, music, video productions, and things like that. But apart from that, is there anything else, Jim? One more thing. Cut mm. to black.